Uh, God created us as integrated, interdependent uh, wholes, uh, unities of, of material and immaterial. One, one person with a material aspect and an immaterial aspect. The decisions we make as to what to put into our body, that has implications beyond just our the physical realm. Uh, it has implications for how we think, implications for how we relate to God. everybody. It's great to see you today. I hope you've had a wonderful morning already, and I sure think we're going to enjoy the rest of our time together. Uh, I want to introduce to you uh, Dr. Todd Miles. Todd and I have been great friends for about 15 hours, but uh, we have real, I've really enjoyed getting to know him. I, I think I shared a couple of weeks ago, I, I actually read the, the book, Cannabis and a Christian. I, I, I don't remember now, six, seven, eight months ago, and I uh, just was so impressed with it, not just in how it, it, it gave an answer and helped us come to an answer here for recreational, medicinal, and, and, and everything else, but just the way he used Scripture. Because uh, there, there's not a verse in the Bible that says, don't do this on some things, right? Some things we have to use biblical wisdom to kind of figure out and, and work our way through. And just the way he used scripture, I thought, man, I want my church family to see this. I want my, my church family to hear this. So I, I called him and uh, he's very gracious to, to join us coming from the uh, Oregon, it, it's quite a flight schedule he has. It's uh, it, so it's like six thirty in the morning where he's from. So and uh, he'll be he'll be back tomorrow at, at work. So you be praying for him and his schedule. But of course, be praying for him now as he comes to to share with us. He is a uh, a professor at Western Conservative Theological Seminary. Uh, we've we've been to some similar schools and have some similar uh, backgrounds, and so a, a lot of our path Chris cross but he's been out there now for a long time he and his wife have six children uh that they have three that that are out of the home now three that are still uh growing up there in the home but uh i think you're going to really enjoy getting to know todd this morning would you guys welcome him to our church family and to our worship today well good morning if you would open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. While you're turning there, let me, let me give you greetings from Western Seminary where I teach from, uh, from Gresham Bible Church where I serve as, as pastor of, of teaching and, and preaching. And uh, when they get up, they will pray for us. I think the Lord can work those prayers retroactively. Let's, I think he's, he's capable of doing that. Beginning in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul, apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, writes this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, Would you pray with me briefly? Father, we ask now that you would open your word up to us and open us up to your word, that we might behold the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Please bless us to that end in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you are conscious and awake, uh, you, you know that we are living in, I, I would think, historically unprecedented times right now. Uh, n- not in terms of technological achieve, achievement, not in terms of scientific advancement, but in terms of the changing of social moral norms. I'm from Portland, Oregon. Motto, keep Portland weird. And we are very successful at doing that. I'm not sure we're successful at at much else. Witness like the Portland Trailblazers, for example. But we are very good at at keeping Portland weird. I've had a front row seat for the, the craziness Things that were thought unthinkable 20 years ago are now taught in school today. Activities that were bizarre, strange, are now protected by the law and promoted by government and in all of our institutions. And it, it, it feels, particularly if you're a follower of Jesus, but I suspect even if you are not, the foundations are shaking and we're, we're being... Faced Christians particularly, it feels like being faced with a, a myriad of choices all the time. And so we go to the Bible for guidance, which is a good impulse for Christians. It's, it's, it's what we ought to do. What does the Lord say? What am I supposed to do? And, and, and some of the choices with which we are confronted are, are right there in black and white or maybe even red and white. But some of the newer choices that we're faced with are not explicitly covered. So that's where we turn now. I'm I'm, I'm here to talk (laughs) from the Word of God about marijuana. And and, uh, so that's that's like an introduction in its own, right? So if you're not interested, you might think, what, 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 why on earth are, are you here to talk about that? And and, and I would say I, I would love to to come and talk to you like Jesus stories. That would that would be way more fun. But but my firm conviction is that the Bible is sufficient. The Bible is sufficient. That means that we have all of the divine words that we need, not necessarily all the divine words we want but all the divine words that we need to live faithfully before the Lord. And, 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 and right now, as you know, uh, recreational marijuana is legal in the state of Virginia. I'm pretty sure that's the case, right? It's legal in 20 other states and the District of Columbia. Medical marijuana is legal in 37 states and the District of Columbia. So this morning, as, as we look at God's word, if, if you're listening, you, you, maybe you're here you, you don't understand yourself to be a Christian. You, you've never repented. You've never believed the gospel. Did you know that the Lord wants you to honor him with everything that you do, everything that you think, everything that you say, including what you put into your bodies and how you think? 
for the, the rest of us, you, you are followers of Jesus, I would like for you to consider really the same. What is your thought process when it comes to substances or even topics that, that the Bible doesn't explicitly mention? Do you believe that the Bible is sufficient to guide you in all of your decisions? I read earlier Ephesians chapter 5, and Paul gives us some, some very uh, good words. The, the, these are divine words. And he starts out in verse 15. He says, uh, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Here we see that there is a requirement for us. Look carefully how you walk. The context of, of Ephesians 5 is that Paul has challenged the Ephesians to walk in holiness They are to avoid sexual immorality. They are to guard their hearts against covetousness. They are to be careful how they talk. All of this is is mentioned in the book of Ephesians, which is really a call to to unity. But it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, as we see in this passage, because the Christian battles sinful influences, influences from the outside, the world, the devil, influences from inside as well. The flesh. And, 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 and Paul gives us a reason why we are to walk carefully, be vigilant. He says the reason is the days are evil. The days are evil. Paul is, is straightforward here. It's, it's not just that there are some unwanted or annoying things out there that we probably ought to avoid if we want to live our best life now. No, Paul describes the days as evil. And that is a damning verdict this is this is how it was in the first century too and so i'm I'm here to tell you apparently there were never any good old days right there there just weren't right don't say man if we could only go back to those days when i were younger well you know what those were evil days too those were evil days too ever since adam which is like page what two of our bibles Ever since Adam, evil has permeated the very air that we breathe. And so the verdict is on on this age, our time. The verdict is in evil. But here we are. We've been given a time to live. And it's against that backdrop that Paul says, okay, now make the most of these days. So friends, you don't have the luxury of of coasting. You don't have the freedom to take a break. You don't have the margin to turn on, tune in, drop out. Make the most of the time that you have. And giving that the setting is is that as evil, as Paul says, that takes single-minded intentionality and diligence. Of course, fortunately, as we saw in the passage, that we have some stuff at our disposal. Uh, we have one resource that is particularly mentioned here, the Spirit of God. When, when we think of all that is against us, it, it gets frustrating. We, we, we might want to despair because given ourselves what we bring to the table, we're just not up to the task. And, and, and if you're here this morning thinking, oh, I got this, I got this. Thank you, Lord, for, for saving me, but, but, but I'm good to go. I'm good to go now. Well, you're fooling yourselves. You are not up to the task, not in and of yourself. 
So we are instructed, we are commanded, be filled with the Spirit of God. And the the, the filling of the Spirit is, is to empower our diligence, our thinking. The Spirit will enable our understanding of the will of God. And, and of course, this is a powerful resource. It's almost blasphemous to put it up as resource. We have a resource, the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is God Almighty, the third person of the Trinity. But we are told that he will fill us and give us understanding Acuity, diligence, that we might live a holy life, the life to which we've been called, even though the days are evil. So we have this great resource, but there's also rivals out there. There there are enemies, things that get in the way. And and, and as we look at Ephesians 5.18, we are told, it says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Paul Paul gives us a command in in light of all that he has said and even in what he's going to continue to say. He says, do not get drunk on wine. Here we are directed to not let something happen to us. Wine makes us drunk, but we are the ones responsible for our consumption of it. And the contrast with being drunk on wine, of course, is to be filled with the Spirit. And that contrast, I think, is telling here. The Spirit empowers and enables obedience and discernment. Wine, on the other hand, in drunkenness, it disempowers, it disables obedience, it disables discernment. It takes the presence of the Spirit of God to live a holy life in these evil days, to appreciate and to desire the will of God. Drunkenness is contrasted with that. It's, it's, it's like it has the opposite effect of being filled with the Spirit. It is to surrender control of our faculties, our, our bodies, our intellect, our moral judgment. And when we surrender that control over to the world, the flesh, the devil, well, we're in trouble. Those three entities, the world, the flesh, the devil, as as we know from the Bible, they, they play for keeps. And when we place ourselves in their hands, the result, Paul says, is debauchery, reckless, careless, sinful living. So the Bible here is very clear. Very explicit. Do not get drunk on wine. It is a sin. It is forbidden to get drunk on wine. But what about other substances? What about other substances? What about pot? What about cannabis? That's, that's what I was asked to come here and talk about. So what I'd like to do for the next few minutes is just to model for you how do we think about something How do we think biblically about something that is not in the Bible explicitly? And and I'll just say marijuana is not explicitly in the Bible. Uh, The the Bible mentions weeds, you know, the the wheat and the tares and things of that nature. But but the evil one was not sowing cannabis in the the, the field of wheat. That's that's just not a thing. Um, the, The Bible mentions trees. The, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not a cannabis plant. And you might think, well, of course, then, duh. Well, I can't tell you how many emails I've got arguing that very point right there. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, nor the tree of life. That, was, that is not a cannabis plant. So, 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 so pot, and, and there are pots, pots in the Bible, but that's not what we're talking about.
about here this morning either. As I said, I do believe the Bible, though, is sufficient. We have all the divine words that we need. So how do we think biblically about something that's not in the Bible? That's what I want to model for you. And so how might we do that? One, one thing we could do, I suppose, we could say, well, uh, pot's, like, pot's kind of like uh, wine. Um, and so you just substitute pot every time you see the word wine. And, and there's a couple reasons why we ought to do that. One, alcohol is very different than, than, than marijuana. It, it does different things to the human body. And so you can't just make that simple substitution. And besides that, alcohol, wine in particular, is celebrated in the Bible and it dominates a number of biblical theological themes and religious rites. I mean, imagine what you do when you get to the Lord's Supper and you just start substituting cannabis for, uh, for wine. Um, so we can't do that. Now, obviously, obviously the, the Bible forbids drunkenness with wine. And we might think, well, okay, so I can't get drunk on wine. (laughs) It doesn't say anything about beer or whiskey. Loophole, all right, I'm in, I've got it. And and I think probably for most of you, you guys, ah, you probably shouldn't do that, that that there's a principle involved here of of alcohol. That's what I want us to think about here. Wine in Ephesians 5.18 is an example of an alcoholic intoxicant. And so the question before us is, would intoxication by a drug other than alcohol be forbidden? Well, thankfully, intoxication by alcohol is not just forbidden in the Bible on a because God said so basis. And he could do that, right? He is God. He could just say, uh, it, don't, don't get drunk. And that would be a command and we are to obey it. We might not understand why, but we still have to obey it because God has the right to do with us as he wants. He can command things. But thankfully, helpfully, God doesn't just say, don't get drunk. The Bible is full of reasons why we are not to get drunk. I don't have time to read all of the verses. In fact, I'm not going to read any of them to you. But, but the Proverbs and the prophets explain why drunkenness is wrong. And here's what happens to the drunkard. Seeing things, imagining things, addiction, loss of judgment towards sin, Loss of physical control, loss of wisdom, loss of financial control, physical illness, embracing foolishness. There's also passages that say the drunkard is basically given over to their sin. It's evidence of God's judgment on you. And that's a terrifying thing. One of the worst judgments in all of the Bible is just to be given over to a sin. Where God says, okay, do what you want to do. If we were to combine all of the different reasons why drunkenness is forbidden, I would say they fall into three categories. When you are intoxicated, you lose physical control. You, you have diminished phys- or mental capacity, mental skills, mental acuity, and you have diminished moral judgment. And I would argue to you, with you that marijuana intoxication does all three of those things demonstrably. So if we're going to think about how, how to think biblically about something that's not in the Bible, we need to know something about the thing that we are searching for wisdom on. So what's our context right now? Well, here are a few cannabis statistics. These are uh, pretty recent, like within the last year or so. Men aged 19 to 30. Men aged 19 to 30. 11.5% of men use THC, marijuana, daily. About 30% monthly, about 43% annually. 
Those numbers are lower for women. 7.6% of women aged 19 to 30 use marijuana daily. 24%, about a quarter monthly, 40% annually. For college-age students, so now we're in that 18 to 22 range, 8% of college students use marijuana daily, about over 10% of men, less than 6% of women. Non-college students, about one in seven. So it's a thing. It's a thing. Right? That's, that's our context right now. If, if we're going to think about something that's not explicitly in the Bible, but we want biblical wisdom on it, we not, we not only need to know the context, but we need to know something about the thing that we are seeking wisdom on. So, so what is cannabis? How, how does it function? And, and cannabis is a highly complex plant with many different components, and it, it acts technically as a stimulant, but it's also a depressant as well. It's both a stimulant and a depressant. THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, it, which, which, which is the, the component that most people are looking for when they're seeking the, the, the pleasurable effects of marijuana, it, it is what we call an agonist, an agonist of the cannabinoid receptors in the brain. And, and an agonist is a molecule that mimics a biological, natural molecule that our body just creates to stimulate and activate receptors in our body and in our, our neurosystem. They plug into, they, they activate the endocannabinoid receptors, which then allows or causes the neurons in our, in, throughout our body to speak with each other. And we might think, well, so, so, so what? What, what? What's the big deal about that? Well, in our bodies, the endocannabinoid system is responsible for regulating appetite, digestion, metabolism, pain response, mood, sleep, the cardiovascular system, muscle formation, in the brain, thinking, pleasure, concentration, coordination, time perception, memory. It would have, and, and that's just illustrative. It would be easier to talk about the parts of our body and who we are that the endocannabinoid system has nothing to do with. Basically, everything that makes you who you are and how you function is controlled and influenced by the endocannabinoid system in our bodies. In, in most of the brain, it increases the tendency to fire. It acts as a stimulant. And, and one of the results of this is, is the benefit that people feel from, from THC. It causes an increase in dopamine levels. So when those receptors start firing, THC plugs in, uh, your, your, your brain is washed with dopamine. How many of you are pro-dopamine? Okay, everybody should raise their hand. No one did. So it's like, like, all right, so stay with me here. Stay with me. Um, dopamine is, is the chemical that allows you to feel pleasure, allows you to feel pleasure. Uh, and, and THC kind of causes the, the brain to wash with it. Um, I, a couple other things that, that bring a dopamine wash or rush, uh, sexual intimacy, chocolate. <laughs> That's why everyone likes chocolate. It makes you feel good. You feel pleasure. So, so you all are pro-dopamine just by definition. We like that. We like it. It's a gift of the Lord. It's really good. That's just one of the things that, that THC does, though. In, in, in the hippocampus of our brain, it causes a decrease in firing. The hippocampus is responsible for memory creation. It decreases firing in the cerebellum, 
which is responsible for motor control, which is why most people are not at their agile best when they are high. These cellular reactions create the following short-term effects. Now, why am I going through all this? Because it seems to me that the path of wisdom would be, let's think about the benefits and the risks. We're going to do some analysis here. Here are some of the risks. Memory loss, learning prevention, diminished problem-solving skills, motor coordination loss, increased heart rate, weakened decision-making ability, and overall distorted perception of reality. Further complicating this is that that marijuana responses to it, it varies from person to person. You, You could have two people smoking the same joint, inhaling the same amount, and the responses to it would be very different which is a little different than alcohol because we can typically uh, predict effect of alcohol by blood alcohol content based on on body mass and that sort of thing. You really can't do that. What are some of the risks? Because here, we're trying to think. Marijuana is not explicitly in the Bible. It's, It's out there. Should I use it or not? What are some of the other risks? So I'm, I'm going to tell you a, a few things here, and, and you might not hear this from, from, you probably won't hear it in the media, uh, because the marijuana lobby is very powerful and persuasive. And the first thing I'm going to tell you is something that's just flat out denied, but I'm right, okay? Uh, and it's this, um, marijuana is addictive. Marijuana is addictive. Addiction is clinically described as a chronic relapsing disorder characterized by compulsive drug-seeking, continued use despite harmful consequences and long-lasting changes in the brain. People who are addicted to a substance are willing to risk harm to themselves and to others in order to meet that need. And you might, and now, it, the, the marijuana lobby will tell you that THC and marijuana, they are not addictive. THC is not addictive, but it is. Now, it's not as addictive as things like opioids and nicotine or even alcohol, caffeine, that sort of thing. But that does not mean that it is not addictive. Not as addictive is not the same as not addictive. 9% of adult regular users will become addicted. A regular user is someone who, who partakes of THC three to four times per week. One in 10 adults. One in six teenage regular users will develop an addiction. You're harming your brain. You are risking harm to yourself and to others in order to meet that need. Here's another big risk. Teen and adolescent cannabis use interferes with brain development. This is not just an idea. It's not just a theory. This, everyone knows this. You know, it's not like 9 out of 10 dentists surveyed sort of thing. No, this is like 10 out of 10 doctors. They, they know this. THC interferes with brain development. And that's really hard because here's the thing you never get it back you never get it back and 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 what complicates this is that for for females the the female brain is fully developed by around age what 23 22 23 something like that men 28 all the ladies like i knew that i knew that already right i knew that Well, this is difficult, or it's hard, because the legal age for marijuana is usually around 21. But the male brain is not fully developed until about age 28, and you never get it back. Some researchers have seen, one research study in particular found an 
eight-point drop in IQ. Eight points. The average IQ is 100. It's between 80 and 120. Eight points. Now, that number is disputed, but a lot of people stick with it because they see it to be true. Third, there is growing body of evidence that links marijuana use with psychosis, with mental illness, with violent behavior. And the links to earlier onset of mental illness for those who have a family or a genetic predisposition to mental illness, they are too strong to ignore. And you're seeing this now even in the popular media. CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, they're starting to run stories about these studies that are finding a strong link between mental illness and cannabis use. So I would just say this. If you have a history of mental illness, you should avoid THC. Avoid it. Fourth, this is the one that's probably obvious to most of you. Uh, Pot use hurts personal ambition. It's like, I I knew that already, right? Uh, From a physiological standpoint, we know why. Remember how I mentioned that THC affects the brain and, and, and memory formation? THC interferes with your brain's ability to connect what you are doing now with where you have been. And also, where you are now and where you want to be. And if you can't make those connections between, okay, this is where I am and this is how I got here, or this is where I am and this is where I want to be, then it's it's really difficult to see past, how am I going to get that next bag of chips? And there are others. That's just a sampling of of some of the dangers. Cannabis smoke damages the lungs. It's carcinogenic. Vaping is a terrible idea. American Heart Association warns against its use. The American Academy of Pediatricians gives stern warnings against use during pregnancy, which is wild and crazy because a lot of the industry will tell you, oh, it's, it's, really, it's actually good for your baby. It's good for you. No, I, I, I just saw a study where, where it's, like, it's horrifying. Increased morbidity for mother and child in utero if you are using while pregnant. Okay, so, so those are some of the risks. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Here are a few points to consider. First, God made everything. God made everything. And he made everything good. And I would submit to you that that includes the cannabis plant. I would argue that cannabis is the good provision, generous provision of a very good God. God gave plants to humans for food before the fall. We know that. So we know that the cannabis plant is not like the curse of sin or something like that. We have to see cannabis, I would argue, as the good provision of a kind and generous God. Second, though, just because something is a good provision of God doesn't mean that every use of it is good. It's possible to misuse God's good creation. Arsenic is also a generous provision of a very good God. Sexual intimacy is a generous provision of a very good God. But think about how damaging sexual intimacy is to us when we misuse it or use it inappropriately. How can cannabis be misused? Well, uh, intoxication is wrong. It's just wrong. It's forbidden. That's an easy one. Addiction is wrong. The, the scriptures are very clear that Jesus Christ is Lord, and, and any time there is a substance or behavior that exercises control over me, where we're compelled to obey that thing, even to the point of self-harm or harm to others, we have granted lordship to that substance, that behavior, and that's wrong. Third, The the Christian life is to be lived intentionally with with no divided loyalties or double-mindedness. Paul wrote to the Romans this in chapter 12. 
He said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our, our bodies are to be given over to God as an act of service. Being able to test and approve what God's will is, is tied to the renewal of the mind. Our, our bodies, our minds are, are, are given to us to steward. It's, they're a good gift of God that we're responsible for, right? For some of you, you might remember, like your parents would always tell you, don't, don't drink and don't smoke because your body's a temple. And you go, oh, mom, that was so yesterday. Um, no, that's actually true. Our bodies are the temple of the living God. And what we do with them matters to the Lord. They're, they're just loaned to us. I, I, so I just, I'll, I'll tell you, I am terrified of, of, of binding your conscience where the Bible does not bind it. So I, I, I'm not going to tell you in black and white terms other than I'm very comfortable saying that intoxication is wrong because the Bible says so. But what's the path of wisdom here? I'd rather think in terms of wisdom and discipleship. So, so here, here's, here's some questions. Is there any reason to smoke pot recreationally other than to get high? Absorption rates into the bloodstream for THC are, are so rapid, so quick, that cannabis use is typically not coupled with adjectives like mild or moderate or innocuous. I remember I, I, I did some research for this, and I went into a, a, one of the ubiquitous dispensaries around where, where I live. And, and they were very generous and kind with their time. And, and, and I asked them at one point, um, is, is there any reason to smoke pot recreationally other than to get high? And, and the clerk laughed at me. No, no. Now, and, I, and maybe there's some of you who are like, well, hey, I, I know lots of reasons why you would use other than get high. Um, but I would submit that those are mostly medical and those have a whole other kind of wisdom questions and I can talk with you about those afterwards if, if you would like or they're, they're, they're in that book. Some people consume alcohol because of its relaxing effects and marijuana certainly has a relaxing effect on many users, but... Can that effect be achieved without intoxication? Some advocates argue for microdosing, which allows one to get a small amount of THC without risking intoxication. But I would submit to you that at that point, those concerns are driven by medical concerns, not recreational applications. And so again, they have a whole bunch of other different wisdom questions to ask. Second, can you be sober-minded while smoking pot? The Bible tells us to be sober-minded. Is recreational cannabis use consistent with the call for Christians to be sober-minded? We see that from Paul and Peter. Being sober-minded is the opposite of being intoxicated. It has to do with being alert and wakeful, not drowsy. Peter's and, Peter and Paul's calls for sober-mindedness are calls for the Christian to be watchful, vigilant, ready for whatever weapons the enemy might wield against us. So a command to be sober-minded, I know, it's far more than just a prohibition on intoxication. But it's not less. <laughs> you can't be sober-minded when you're high. You just can't. Third, will THC diminish my ability to honor Christ in my thinking? Paul taught that the Christians take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. Can you do that when your mind is addled by marijuana? The ability to destroy arguments and every proud thing raised up against the knowledge of God. To take every thought captive to obey Christ. I think that is impaired when the Christian's mind is under the influence of THC. 
Will THC diminish my ability to honor Christ in my actions? Paul highlights the importance of intentional discipline in action when he compares the Christian life to that of a soldier or an athlete or a farmer in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled as in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who has enlisted him. An athlete's not crowned until he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Three different images there. They're all associated with engagement and intentionality, a work ethic. Those are things that are to characterize the Christian, not just the super Christians, but every Christian. Are those attributes correlated with marijuana use, engagement, intentionality, a work ethic? Consider the negative impact of marijuana on ambition and motivation and ask yourself, is marijuana going to aid my discipleship my ability to be faithful to all that the Lord calls me to do. Five, will THC enhance my ability to commune with God, to relate to the Lord? There are many advocates that claim that marijuana has unlocked access to new horizons, greater experiences with God. They claim marijuana is an entheogen, is the technical term, a chemical substance with psychoactive effects that used to alter consciousness for spiritual purposes. There is one verse in the Bible that says that wine makes the heart glad, but I don't see any biblical argument for entheogens. We've already seen that scripture forbids intoxication. Discipleship is to be done with sober-mindedness, with a heart and mind engaged in prayer, study, meditation of God's word, where we are thinking hard and intentionally about what God has given to us in the scriptures. The very idea that marijuana could unlock portals to a newer and better relationship with the Lord, I would submit to you as sub-Christian, it makes a mockery of grace, it makes a mockery of our true predicament in this world. Well, we should, we should close because I see the zeros on the board in front of me here. So <laughs> if you look at verses 19 and 20, there, there is a result to doing what Paul says and it's joyful, thankful, and submissive living. What does a life of intentional discipleship, sober-minded submission to the Spirit look like? Joy that expresses itself in, in singing, both literal singing and figuratively. Only the peace of Jesus can accomplish that. I've spent a lot of time here talking to you about marijuana. I'm guessing you will never hear as much from this pulpit (laughs) on just what cannabis is, is what you've endured to this point. I do not want you to think that the key to peace with God is abstaining from pot. Avoiding marijuana, I would argue, is wise. It might be a good and proper step to health and physical, emotional, spiritual health. But it is not the key to right relationship with God. Giving up or avoiding marijuana cannot right any past wrongs. Abstinence may help with some of your problems right now, but it cannot solve the most critical problem that you have. In fact, turning to marijuana is probably more indicative of your failed attempts to make yourself right, to correct your biggest issues, which all center on rebellion against God and the havoc that that rebellion has brought into your life. Of course, the bad news is there's nothing that you can actually do about that big problem that you have. The good news, though, is the gospel that is preached here faithfully Sunday after Sunday. The good news of Jesus Christ, who has done for you what you cannot do for yourself. 
your sin, your rebellion against God, they have created all sorts of problems for you, many of which you're living through right now. But the biggest problem that you have is that one day you'll stand before God and you will be judged for your conduct, your thoughts, your heart. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, the most important thing that I could tell you is that you are already condemned. You stand condemned right now and the penalty is death. The good news though is that Christ has taken that penalty for you. When he died on the cross some 2,000 years ago, he took your place. He died your punitive death for you. And when he rose again, he assured that the judgment against you was paid in full, wiped from the books. You can be forgiven if you repent and believe. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to stand and you can come and talk to me about marijuana, but I would love to talk to you about Jesus. I really would. But I'm totally happy to come and stay. You, you endured listening to me for a while, and if you want to argue with me or, say, or ask questions, I'm totally happy to do that. It's fine. A restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ makes possible a right perspective where we realize that every good thing that we have, it comes from God. And then we can, as Paul instructs, with gratitude, accept God's good gifts and trust him in all situations with thankfulness. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, you are good. We thank you for your word. We thank you for its sufficiency. We ask that you would enable us to live wisely, that we would be able to interpret and understand your word, seeking guidance by your spirit. Would you teach us? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Todd. Sure. Head down there. And, and Todd, you can set your stuff down, but if you want to go on out there and get ahead of everybody, uh, he'll be out there to answer questions uh, and, and talk with you. You know, I, I asked Todd last night, I said, so like, are you kind of like known as the marijuana guy now? Uh, you know, most of the guys, people looking for the marijuana guy are not looking for a Bible study, are they? <laughs> but uh, he, he really, in, in a, you just look at how short that book is, folks. Not a long book, but has an incredible amount of research. And man, if that would be of help to you, or maybe you're talking with somebody who's debating you about this, a lot of the things he said, uh, you, you'll get the references for and the, the evidence for. And the book is not just a, you know, a little bit more than the sermon. It's, it's a lot more than the sermon. I mean, he goes a lot more here into the, he, he referred to here the medicinal questions and how you with wisdom pursue the, the medicinal aspect of this. So it is a, uh, a, a really good read, gives a lot of good information uh, that I think we need to be prepared with and, and able to discuss. I do want to make you aware of something. Our young adult ministry uh, at the end of the second service is going to have a, a, a luncheon with uh, Dr. Miles, and um, they're, they're, they're going to provide food for the young adult ministry. The food is for the young adults, but if you'd like to come in and sit and listen, or, or maybe you have some questions, you, I, I don't want to exclude anybody from that opportunity, so that'll be in our youth center. Again, after the second service, not, not right now. So really grateful for Todd uh, making a, a, a long weekend out of this and, and traveling to be here with us. He's a, an impressive uh, person. You might find this hard to believe, you know, what, what do ministers do? We just study the Bible. He, he was a nuclear engineer for 10 years before he went into the, the ministry. I think that means he's smarter than me. Uh, <laughs> It certainly means he's smarter than you, Dale. 
So, but uh, I, I, I meant it earlier. I have, I've uh, just had like 15 hours to get to know Todd. And he's a, a, I really appreciate how God is using him. And one of the things, and like you said, he'd like to talk about Jesus more than marijuana. But he's done a lot of really good work for all of us. And put it right here in a, in, a, in a simple tool. We have this book available. It's only $5 uh, out, out there today. I think we have like a hundred of them. Um, if for some reason you don't get one, we, we got it off of Amazon. So uh, it's, it's available there. You know, he, boy, I thought he wrapped that up so well. Not smoking pot doesn't make you right with God. Hey, there are things that God wants us to do and things God was, doesn't want us to do, but you and I trying to adhere to those lists isn't, isn't going to get us there. Uh, we, need, we need more than that, more than a list of rules, and that's what Jesus has accomplished for us. If you have questions today about how you can begin a relationship with Christ, I want to encourage you as we conclude here and go out these doors. There's a desk right in the center. Right above it, it says next steps, and uh, just go out there and say, hi, I want to talk to somebody about my next step with Jesus, and uh, they'll, they'll help you with that conversation you want to have. Maybe you have questions about becoming a member here or following the Lord in baptism. Uh, they can help you with that also. Thank you guys so much for being here today. We will be back in Genesis next week and, and for the rest of the summer. So God bless. Y'all have a great week.